want to bring Phil Gursky into the conversation, President and CEO of Borealis Threat and Risk Consulting. Uh, Phil, thank you so much for the time on a very, very important day. Glad you could jump in with us. Yeah, my pleasure, Bill. How are you? Good. Uh, a little concerned about this, and I, I was going to say shocked, but we knew that these paramilitary groups were hanging around. There seemed to be a lot more of them in Michigan, I guess, in other areas. I'm going to get your read on that in a second. But, you know, when they had that big protest about uh, the, the shutdown because of COVID and you saw them going to the state capitol, they're gun-toting because it's an open-carry state. Uh, I guess we shouldn't be too surprised that something like this should happen, but these guys were organized. This was not just a, a couple of guys that had a few beers and said, let's do something. Yeah, yeah, you're right. This was not a surprise, Bill, because this has been building for a very long time. There's a lot of rhetoric south of the border about the election, about the response to COVID. Uh, the Trump administration is not helping. And, yeah, Michigan is, is one of many states that have these groups. And, a, you know, a, an organization which is really interesting called the Southern Poverty Law Center south of the border says there's like hundreds and hundreds of these groups in the country. And you're right. The most of them couldn't organize a piss up in a bar. But these guys went beyond that. They, and they, had, you know, they hatched a plan. And thankfully, the FBI had infiltrated them. They had a source, and nothing happened. So kudos to the FBI, but this could have ended very, very differently. Yeah, nothing happened, but it could have. I mean, they, they were talking about explosives. They were going to blow up a bridge nearby as a, as a, as a, as a, distortion, a distraction, I guess, so the so police would go there instead. And, uh, the plan, according to the FBI yesterday, as I know you heard, uh, was they were going to go to her summer residence and, and kidnap her, put her on trial, they said, for treason. Yeah, and, and I, I don't know how well-protected a governor would be in the United States, but I imagine that given the, you know, you mentioned the, the, um, the incident at the state legislature where they were, you know, brandishing openly guns and, and acting in a very threatening manner, yeah. I'd be very surprised if the governor didn't have a very strong security detail right now. But, yeah, they, they certainly had thought this out, and these guys were for real. This wasn't, you know, like I said, two guys in a bar just, you know, talking about stuff. They'd made plans. They talked about it. And as I said, the FBI did a fantastic investigation. And when you do these things, Bill, and, you know, when I was at CSIS, we just do these things. If you can recruit a high-level guy to infiltrate your cell, that's what you want, because that's the intelligence you get and the evidence you get to lay charges. Well, I was going to ask you about that. I mean, we can get into the details about these guys, and it's all going to come out in the trial, I guess. Uh, and, and again, to your point, I mean, we shouldn't be surprised about this. I mean, these groups have been, especially in Michigan, around for some time. Uh, Timothy McVeigh, who, of course, was executed for the Oklahoma City bombing, was a member of one of those groups in Michigan. Uh, and so you get the idea of where their mindset is. Uh, and then you're absolutely right. I mean, you got a guy like Donald Trump that says, you know, stand down and stand by. Uh, that They take the, something like that as a call to arms. They have. I've been reading a lot of analysis, Bill, over the last couple of weeks and months by uh, some Americans I really respect in the media who are saying that, you know, the president is feeding this. Now, this, okay, this plot is not Donald Trump's fault in the sense that he didn't plan to do it. But there's no question that groups like the Wolverine militia or watch, whatever the hell they're calling themselves, they see this as a sign. They see this as a nudge, nudge, wink, wink. And the, the, the messages coming out of the White House, coming out of other, you know, Republican Party supporters is – it, it is feeding a cycle of violence. And, yes, the vast majority of people won't do anything. You know, as I, I think we talked before, a lot of people talk the talk. Very few walk the walk, but a few will. And at a minimum, Bill, to me, when a president of the United States essentially tells people to, to go to polls to prevent fraud and, and go armed kind of thing, that's just more than irresponsible. That's actually feeding the possibility someone's going to get killed. Well, and that's one of the things that really ticked me off yesterday. I mean, when this news broke in the early afternoon yesterday, Phil, uh, there were outpourings of, of concern from governors, Democratic and Republican, and, and senators and everyone else uh, to Governor Whitmer saying, oh, you know, hope you're okay, what a terrible thing. Trump blamed her. He, he did not condemn the action by these guys at all. He blamed her for getting everybody all ticked off because of the COVID are, shutdown. Are you, are you surprised, Bill? 
I mean, no, not you know, really. look at look at the messaging this president has given. There's a fascinating piece in the claims that came out this week by a reporter called Shannon Gormley, and she has outlined everything uh, ridiculous Trump has said over the past four years. And it goes on, Bill, for about 100 pages. So, you know, some of the stuff is silly. We can laugh at it. But a lot of the stuff is actually it's quite dangerous. And can you can you tell me the last time you recall in anyone's history where a head of state was using the language he was using to urge and, and encourage people to take violent action? I, I mean, it, it's unheard of. Not in North America. I mean, this is something you hear about in, you know, in, in Turkey or, you know, some of these other places, uh, China, North Korea, places like that. But uh, you didn't ever think you were going to hear something like this in North America. No, and I think it, it just goes to show, I mean, the, the, the depths to which this presidency has, has fallen over the past four years. And, you know, Americans will have a, a choice in a little less than a month's time to make a difference. I sincerely hope that they do. But before then, and I'm seeing a lot of reporting in the States, there's a lot of concern about, about violence at election polls. There's a lot of concern about violence if Trump loses. And the perception is that he lost unfairly or that people voted illegally or whatever kind of thing. So watch this space, Bill. I, I, this story's not over yet. No, I'm worried about the political machinations that may occur. You're right. Uh, and by the way, if he loses, it's unfair. I mean, that's what he's already said. Uh, you know, he blamed, he, he said last election was rigged, but he won it. So he's, you know, he's, it wasn't rigged anymore. So that's going to happen. But I'm more concerned about what's going to happen on election day. I mean, if some of these guys, and there's a lot of them right around the country, not just in Michigan, start showing up with these, uh, you know, AK-47s or whatever it is that they're using and start, you know, hanging around polling stations, it's going to be intimidating. Absolutely. And in fact, the president's son, Donald Jr., has already gone on Facebook and urged all his supporters, he calls it the Army of Trump, to go to the polls because the left wing is planning to massively rig the election with fake ballots and mail-in ballots and people who know, have no eligibility to vote. And people listen to these messages, Bill. You know, and, and so you are going to see people turn And, you know, at a minimum, it is intimidating. How would you feel if you go into a Canadian election in Hamilton and there's a guy with an AK you know, or AR-15 sitting at the front door while you go in? People, yeah. will walk, people will turn back. Because who are you voting for, afraid. buddy? Yeah, who are you voting for? nothing happens. Yeah, you don't really need to be here. It's 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 pretty frightening. I want I want you to step back a bit to, to your well, your work with CSIS too, Phil, and, and give me some perspective on this. Uh, these groups are not new. How does an agency like CSIS, or in this case the FBI, uh, how do they handle stuff like this? They know they exist. Is there a conscious effort to infiltrate them, or do you wait until they reach a certain point, or is there a, a, a threshold uh, that you figure, okay, now we got to get serious about these guys? Yeah, so it depends. So, you know, CSIS um, has a different mandate than the RCMP or law enforcement. So CSIS, you know, collects intelligence to advise the government. CSIS has a lower threshold of investigation, Bill. We, we needed reasonable grounds to suspect where law enforcement in Canada needs reasonable grounds to believe. What you basically do is you take a look at things, and we used to look at all kinds of things. And sometimes you decide there's no there there. I mean, there's no, there's no credible threat, the person's lying, whatever. But when you get to the point where you think this is starting to become serious, uh, from a CSIS perspective, the, the sort of the... The gold ring of investigations is to recruit somebody and run them as a human source. That's the best form of intelligence you'll ever get. You can also get you know, a federal court warrant to intercept communications. You can put physical surveillance on them, and you can collaborate with other agencies, both domestic and abroad. Uh, when it gets really serious and it's starting to look like a criminal matter, CSIS has a mechanism to basically advise the RCMP, hey, take a look at Bill Kelly because he's doing X, Y, or Z. Then the Mounties take over, and that's a completely different investigation. So CSIS and the RCMP do not run joint investigations. They run parallel investigations for different purposes. But I would say that the FBI did this you know, to, to the letter, and just like we did in Canada with the RCMP and CSIS, you know, recruit a highly placed human source who can report back to you in real time 
and get the federal court warrants to intercept communications, put on the physical surveillance. And at the end of the day, uh, they had these guys nine ways to Sunday and nothing happened. So, again, as I said before, kudos to the FBI and their partners for a fantastic job at identifying a threat and neutralizing it before anyone got hurt. How do you how do you recruit that informant? Are you looking for somebody that's in the organization already? I mean, I, I don't want to, you know, start leading on like you know, the TV shows where you watch, you know, where, you know, Starsky and Hutch start, you know, getting, you know, <laughs> undercover and, you know, they're going to be, become part of the motorcycle gang. I suppose that might happen in some way, shape or form. But do you try to find a weak link within the organization? Bill, you and I are the only ones in your program that remember Starsky and Hutch. So that really puts us <laughs> in a certain it's, it's a combination of things. Uh, sometimes it's somebody who's an outsider who can seem as credible to the group. Sometimes a person from the inside may either have reservations about what they're doing, or sometimes it's, it's, it's good old lucre. It's good old cash that people want. And, uh, you know, you pay them well, and they'll, and they'll agree to report to you. The, the, the main thing is, is that the person has to be able to fit in so that the group that's being infiltrated doesn't, doesn't suspect something because human sources that are blown end up dead. So it's a combination of uh, people who just want to do well and people who think that maybe, you know, I was part of this group for a while, but they're going down a road that I can't accept, and therefore I need to stop these guys before someone gets killed. And as I said, you know, law enforcement agencies and security intelligence, we've been successful at this for decades, so it's a tried-and-true method, and um, we've had, you know, several cases in Canada, like the Toronto 18, that were infiltrated yeah, the NCB yeah. by human sources. So when it works, it works really well, and, uh, and, and you get successful outcomes. Yeah, that's what we heard from the FBI uh, that was in charge of the operation during the press conference yesterday, uh, that it was somebody from within the organization. And I, and I guess he was paraphrasing and said, I, you know, I, I'm in here because, yeah, I want to I get rid of the government, too. But part of the plan was not just to kidnap the governor. It was to, it was to kill cops, too. Uh, and he said, I'm not in for that. So he, I guess that made him, you know, okay, let's talk. And he was the, he was the informant. But you have to wear a wire. There's all sorts of – that's dangerous work. It is, and, and, you, and you want to do it properly, because like I said, if you get discovered, um, it's not like Hollywood films where, you know, nothing really bad happens. These guys can be killed. But interestingly, you mentioned, Bill, about the killing cops. My understanding is that the FBI was onto this group as, as early as March of this year when they found out that the Wolverine watchmen were, were wanting to kill police officers. And you can imagine how the FBI feels about militia groups wanting to kill their own, right? Um, they would, you know, get on that right away. And as you said, this one particular source probably said, I didn't sign up for this. I, you know, I'm okay with protesting the government and getting rid of COVID restrictions, but you start about start about talking about killing people. Well, first of all, that, that might that might carry the capital punishment if I'm caught within that. So I'm out. And then he decided, thankfully, to work with the FBI, and uh, we had a successful arrest that we had yesterday. What's frightening about this, though, is, is uh, the Attorney General, uh, Dan Anasso, uh, the Michigan Attorney General, uh, was speaking about this yesterday as well uh, and talking about some of these groups in Michigan specifically. And uh, she says some of the cops are members of some of these groups. I mean, you know, small town, not, not state police or anything like this, but she says we see them at the rallies. Uh, you know, they're supposed to be all about law and order, but as she said, it's, it's their law and their order that they want to enforce, not, not the law of the land. Yeah, you raise an interesting point. We're seeing the same thing in Germany. Uh, the Germans are very uh, concerned about neo-Nazis and far right within their police forces, even within their security services. I don't know what it is, Bill. Is there a, a natural sort of, I don't know, predilection for certain people to gravitate towards a certain mindset? Um, I mean, obviously, it's a small number. Uh, you, yeah, know, yeah. you know, not all. And she, and she made that point yesterday. She said, "Let's be clear on this. You know, we're not talking about cops are all like this. They just said it's surprising to see that some officers are actually part of this thing." But then, and she finished off by saying, "But listen, let's be clear. Uh, we had the, you know, the cooperation and, and the, you know, the respect of all the officers involved in this organization, and they all did an outstanding job. These, these are the bad apples, I guess. But it's, it's kind of a, an interesting sidebar to this." 
it is, but it, it also points to the fact that anybody can be part of anything. You know, we, we have these stereotypes that you're going to be X, Y, or Z in order to join an Islamist extremist group, for example. Like you're marginalized or poorly educated or whatever. No, that's completely false. And it's the same thing with the far right. You know, you're, the, the, the reason for, for why you make a decision to join anything is your own kind of background and your own thought process. So, we, yeah, we shouldn't go down that pathway that cops are any more likely to join. As you said, these are a few bad apples. And because when we start going down the pathway and we start saying that, you know, you are, uh, you know, emblematic of or symptomatic of this, then we start making stereotypes and we start drawing conclusions that are wrong. So, again, um, I'm just glad this thing ended peacefully. And, um, and as you said, they had f- phenomenal cooperation from the state, local and federal levels. And altogether, they did, a, they did a great job and it was a great intelligence operation. And I tip my hat to them because, you know, Bill, when you work in this business, like I did for 32 years, uh, you're only as good as your last failure, and, and people don't tend to congratulate you when you do well. They only tend to point fingers at you when something goes badly. So I want to congratulate the FBI and their partners on this because they did a bang-up job. It's what they're paid to do. And, you know, that sometimes the best news day is when nothing happens, and, 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 and nothing happens because of the efforts of the FBI and CSIS and the RCMP and their partners. No, absolutely. How organized are these groups? Do they communicate? Or is there an organization or are all these just one-offs? It, it, it varies. It, People are actually not very smart sometimes. When I used to work in signals intelligence at CSE before I joined CSIS, we always used to joke that if you wanted to figure out what was really going on, uh, ignore the first five minutes of a conversation and people say, oh, don't, don't say this because we're being monitored. After five minutes, people forget where they are. They forget who they're talking to. They let down their guard and they start talking. A lot of people, and my understanding was that in this case, and I, I, must, I think I read this somewhere, that the FBI, FBI got access to encrypted information. So it yeah. looks like they may have used encryption, but the FBI got through it some way. So, again, kudos to them for doing that. Most people just don't have the wherewithal, Bill, to protect what they're saying. Uh, maybe they just don't think they're important enough to be monitored, or maybe they don't care. And, you know, they're so bent on doing something. If I get caught, I get caught. If I don't, I don't. So, in this case, they weren't all that careful. They got infiltrated by at least one human source, and they had their communications intercepted. So, maybe not the sharpest uh, pencils in the box, but, it, but a very serious bunch of pencils. And, and you know, v- very seriously uh, bent on doing some, some incredible harm, including killing the governor. Well, like you say, it's, uh, I'm happy, as everyone else is, that uh, they nip this thing in the bud before anything dangerous uh, did occur. But, you know, they, you don't know how close they were to this. They knew the plan was there. Uh, and uh, I don't think it's the end of it, at least not with this group. But we'll see what else happens in the next little while. Great to get your perspective on this, Phil. Thanks so much for the time. Uh, stay safe and have a great Thanksgiving weekend. You too, Bill. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll talk soon. You too. Phil Gursky, of course, President and CEO of uh, Borealis Threat and Risk Consulting. He spent a lot of years in CSIS, over 30 years in CSIS, so he uh, knows what of he speaks.